Hey everyone, it's Fahan. Assalamu alaikum. And you're listening to the Nisa Invest Tea Talk podcast. Hope everybody's feeling good, ready to start your Friday. Alhamdulillah, it's Juma today. And we're here to recreate in podcast form what happened last year at my local mosque sister circle, where a few of us got together and I was able to run a session on all things halal personal finance. Whether it had to do with budgeting, halal investing, pensions, we covered all of it. And at the end of the session, I asked my sisters to leave me with what further questions they had so that I could cover it with you in podcast form. So thank you so much for joining me and let's get started. So to start off this episode, the question that we're talking about this week is I want to learn more about halal index funds in the UK. So when we think about how is it that we can go about being investors, the strategy that we adopt is important. Now, what's grown in popularity in over the past, let's say, four decades has been the advent of the index fund. So when we talk about index funds, what is it that we mean? It is an investment strategy that effectively encourages people to invest passively. Um, it prioritizes low costs and it also favors the long term rather than the short term. And it also favors kind of not speculating, but rather choosing to invest in a market as a whole. In choosing to invest, let's say, in global growth more generally by owning an index fund that represents global equities. Now, knowing that in a nutshell, it is interesting to go into and dig into the history behind index funds and when is it that the versions available for Muslim investors came about and what do they look like in practice to be investing in an index fund. I was thinking about um, what to focus on in this episode compared to some of the other ones that we've had. For example, the ones that go into detail about how can you invest in a way that it's tax-free or step-by-step on a website. Um, What this one's doing is more talking about the investment strategy of choosing to just simply put money in the the market um, such that it tracks the performance of that market and kind of letting it do its work and investing for the long term. What is the thinking behind that and how is it that it works in practice? So Digging into that more, I thought to structure this episode by firstly simply going through the history of indices. What is the difference between an index and an index fund? I think that's important to understand. And what are the halal investment options available? And then, uh, if you allow me, I'll go into a bit more detail about how different indices are constructed, how what makes them different, because I feel like there's a lot of jargon that gets added onto it when in practical terms, the way they, they differ from each other is simply because of a selection criteria. Uh, and so your index can be literally whatever you want it to be it just mirrors the selection criteria that you you chose but more on that later so to so to start with let's break up the word index fund so an index is simply 
an instrument that is used to track the performance of a market. Now, for various reasons, it's very useful to have these indices. One popular reason why indices exist is, for example, is to be used as benchmarks, so kind of like a measuring stick. So if, for example, you are a portfolio manager and you have clients who pay you uh, a certain amount to help them uh, grow their money. Now, how is it that you know whether your fund manager is a good one or a bad one? You need to kind of benchmark their performance. So if you're a fund manager that says, I beat the benchmark by 10% every year of my career, like that is almost unheard of, but that would make you incredibly successful. So if you think of indices as a tool that is used in the world of finance, that is one way that it's adopted. It's also adopted by probably politicians and economists and anyone who would like to know exactly what the sentiment of business in general is and investors globally. Uh, If you're listening to the news and you hear the market is up 2%, they're most likely referring to a particular index of that market. So how else are indices used? So a second way that they might be used is to generally measure the health of a stock market or the performance of business in general. So many of the most well-known indices quite literally track the performance of stocks that are listed on a particular stock exchange. So for example, you may have heard of the FTSE 100 and that is the index that represents the 100 largest companies in the UK that are listed on the London Stock Exchange. So that would mean that if the 100 largest stocks in the London Stock Exchange are all up 2% that day, it it's kind of code word for the FTSE 100, which is the index that tracks it, is up 2%. So outside of the world of strictly allowing you and I to invest our money, indices have been around. Now, something happened when in the early 1970s, when someone said, hold on a second, I don't have to ask someone to pick stocks for me. What if, as an individual, I simply would like to get the money that I have grow by the benchmark itself. I would be satisfied if my money simply performed the way the S&P 500 performed. I don't necessarily have to pay a fund manager to beat the market for me. So the person who did this is an investment manager called John Bogle. So he was the head of uh, Vanguard. So Vanguard is available pretty much globally and they're a very popular investment platform that people use. Now, in 1973, John Bogle was basically fathered the index fund and what was it intended to do i explained at the start of this episode what an index does maybe i'll explain what a fund does now if you're an investor you could just go ahead and buy a stock but the moment that you say look I'm not just buying one stock, I'm buying several others, and I'm tracking the performance of all of them together, 
And I'm opening up the opportunity for you to invest in this basket of stocks. You're saying that you're giving someone the opportunity to invest in your fund. So what did John Bogle do with an index fund? He effectively made sure that the basket of stocks that were represented in his fund were effectively replicating the index. There was no need for some kind of active manager. Instead, you simply had someone saying what are the constituents so who are the which are the companies that are part of the index let's replicate that as closely as possible so that's how index funds became available your first question might be like well not all 500 companies even if they may be the top 500 companies in the u.s not all of them are necessarily the same right you cannot compare amazon to uber you can't compare Bath and Body Works to Home Depot, that's like the B&Q in the US, but all of these companies are constituents of the S&P 500. So another word I'm going to throw out here is the idea of market capitalization and making your index fund market capitalization weighted. So what does that mean? Um, Sticking with the S&P 500 as an example of the index, So at the very top of it, you have companies like Microsoft, uh, Amazon, you've got uh, Google and Facebook and so forth. Whereas towards the bottom, you might have companies like Bath and Body Works. And so a smaller percentage of the S&P 500 would be represented by some of the smaller companies. A common way of saying the size of a company is by saying their its market capitalization, which is effectively simply the share price of that company and the amount of shares that are outstanding. So multiplying those two together, you've got the market cap. So a more valuable company is one that has a higher market capitalization. So there you have it. That might be the very first question, which is a really good one to have about what makes up your index fund. Um, what happens to Google will have, I would say, outsized repercussions for how people feel about the economy compared to what might happen to a smaller firm. So bearing those points in mind, uh, that is kind of enough to understand how index funds work. And you might say, what was the motivation for choosing to go with an index fund compared to a managed fund. So that brings me to my second point, which was what makes index funds so attractive. So before saying why index funds are attractive in the first place, let's remind ourselves what John Bogle's motivations were for having the index fund to start with. So that was, first of all, he wanted to make it as low cost as possible for people to invest and a way to do that is if you didn't have to pay a fund manager to make the decisions for you and then the second way is because he felt like long-term investing was the way to go and so if you just say you know i genuinely believe that the uk economy is going to be fine hence the reason why i'm just buying FTSE 100 index trackers that would you would kind of agree with John Bogle. And thirdly, he wanted to simply encourage more patience in investors. So, you know, index funds, the proposition that they present to you is simply a way for you to invest in a very low-cost way. 
and in a diversified way. And it's great if you're someone who is looking to get returns over decades rather than years. And what then happened? Let's fast forward a couple of decades that index funds have been around. They've grown in a lot more popularity in the 90s. And people then also started tracking the performance of index funds, passive investment strategies compared to their counterparts of active investment strategies. So before moving on to discussing uh, the advent of Islamic uh, index indices, I'll just tell you one statistic, which is interesting, that S&P Global, they found that in the last 15 years, 90% of actively managed uh, funds uh, underperformed uh, the benchmark that they were tracking. And so hearing that, you might think, okay, well, just tracking your performance on an index sounds like a really reasonable thing to want to do. And so knowing all of this, you might say, okay, uh, I want to be investing in an index fund. You then also know that some of the companies that are represented in a very large index, like S&P 500, wouldn't be companies that are aligned to your values as Muslims. So for example, companies that sell alcohol, companies that sells weaponry, companies that might be overly indebted so that they uh, that their businesses relied on a lot of debt. And so in 1995, indices have actually indexed companies. So an, a, an example of a company that constructs indices is a company called S&P. That's why they named their index the S&P 500. So what does a halal version um, look like of an index fund and what is available for people to invest in in the UK? Now, the name of the index that was created to track effectively whatever market minus uh, the companies that wouldn't fit criteria, um, like a Sharia compliant criteria, uh, was created and it was called the Dow Jones Islamic Market World Index. Now, I'll read out what it was designed to do. It was designed to measure the performance of the largest uh, stocks traded globally that pass rules-based screens for the adherence to Sharia investment guidelines. And so what you would find is that these uh, stocks, these didn't include stocks like in weaponry, in uh, alcohol, in tobacco, etc. So that's fantastic. We now know that by 1995, there was an index out there where you could see the performance of companies uh, globally that would fit an investment criteria for uh, Sharia compliance. And so... At that point, it was for the investment managers to make this available for, you know, the Muslim investor on the street to have access to. So I did some research and it wasn't until 2009 when these indices were licensed to investment managers to create index funds themselves to then make available to uh, the general public to invest in. You can check out last week's episode on step-by-step way to invest in a halal index fund and in that episode i introduced the hsbc global islamic index fund so in last week's episode i briefly mentioned that the halal index fund that i invest in is the investment manager behind it is hsbc and if i go back to that fact sheet and i read out what the investment objective was and um, that was to 
Its aim was to track as closely as possible the returns of the Dow Jones Islamic Markets Titans 100 index. And so that in of itself kind of makes sense because it says that it's tracking the Dow Jones Islamic Market index. But on top of that, they add the words Titans 100. So by Titans 100, they mean that it's designed to measure the performance of the largest 100 stocks traded globally that pass by the rules in this uh, screening. And so what does that mean? It means that if I buy into that fund, I it means that I have exposure to 100 of the biggest companies in the globe that fit within uh, the criteria that is in line with the values of Muslims. Because it's an index and it's not an actively managed fund, you still have the expectation that your net charge ratio is lower. You, as someone who's investing for the long term, you want to be diversified. And as a result, you know, in this case, that you have exposure to 100 of the largest companies. And so you'll remember when I first described the index fund, I said, hold on a second, how much of each company is in the basket? And I think that that's probably the most important question to ask when it comes to evaluating an index fund um, because what you're effectively saying is what is your methodology for selecting an index fund now you'll be pleased to know that if you go on the S&P global website um, you get to look at the you can download pdfs of all sorts of indices that exist and check out what the methodologies for selecting them are. And so I checked out the one for uh, the Dow Jones Islamic Market, and I thought it was helpful to at least tell you a couple of things about it. It's like a 45-page document, but really the only reason I'm mentioning it is in the spirit of transparency. Uh, As an investor, if you need to know something, because it's a regulated industry, it's going to be available to you to see. Uh, And I feel like that that's really important uh, that we have the information available. So the one thing I will say is that similar to the S&P 500, the Dow Jones Islamic Market Index is also market cap weighted. So the companies are proportionately represented in line with their size. However, if you in your mind can picture the size of the largest 100 companies, you can probably guess that the top 10 companies probably are like a huge outsized size compared to the to the next 90 and that's very true and so in this case in particular they have an additional guideline which is no one company can represent more than 10 percent of the index so that means the largest company can only go up to 10 percent because what they don't want is to end up in a bat with a basket that is basically six stocks and a bunch of little other stocks because that doesn't really scream diversification. Another thing about index funds, maybe you're an investor based in the UK. If I told you that this index was created in the US, you might be like, oh, it's fine, I'll just buy it. What you want to, in addition, make sure is that the index that you're buying is denominated in the currency in which you're buying it in. And that was an additional qualification that I mentioned in the step-by-step video. But that is also another thing that is mentioned by the index itself. It's saying that it's available, denominated in US dollars, Euro, and GDP. Um, So, like, you're able to invest in it in those currencies. And so, 
if you're wondering, okay, so what's in there? What is the final output? Now I'll read out what the top 10 constituents are as of the last time it was reviewed. It also gets reviewed with a certain level of frequency and so this one gets reviewed annually. And so at the moment, the top 10 constituents are Microsoft, Apple, Nvidia, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Tesla, Broadcom and Eli Lilly. Now, I don't know how many of those companies you're super familiar with, but I guess just by reading out those companies, your next uh, point might be, whoa, that sounds very tech heavy and that would be correct. What do we feel about that? And that's true. Uh, 50% of this, uh, the, the top 100 uh, Titans index is represented by the tech sector, followed uh, by 16% healthcare, and then consumer goods and consumer services together make up another 20%. And that's something to consider, but not necessarily just for this Islamic index. It's also the case for the S&P 500. And if you look back over the performance over the past year, people talk about it being uh, responsible, uh, grown by the Magnificent Seven. So that's seven companies, uh, several of which I've just mentioned as being the top constituents of this index too, that were that in comparison outperformed even more than that. So they were effectively dragging the rest of the index along with them, uh, and that is an. A consideration to have when you're investing in index funds. I will also mention some things that I wasn't familiar with before, and that's uh, the same way this index in this particular sense has been cut so that it only has the largest 100 companies. That is called, um, that's called like recutting the index. So that's almost to say that there are different criterias for different indices. So it was interesting for me to find that the global Islamic market, um, the Dow Jones Islamic market world index has been cut in many other different ways. So not only with the Titans 100, but also regionally. So you can also have it by country, you could have it by industry, so you could have one that's by technology or real estate, and you can also have thematic ones by sustainability, for instance. So that was kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about in more detail on this topic is that different indices can be cut in different ways, and it just so happens that Alhamdulillah in 1995, almost 30 years ago now, they created the Islamic Index, and as a result, fund managers were able to make index funds available for Muslims to invest. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I've been Fahani Ramhashi, and this has been the Nisa Invest Tea Talk podcast. I will see you next Juma. Bye for now.